Please welcome to the Mambo in the City Salsa Podcast, Referee Ricky Gonzalez. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate being here. Appreciate you having me. What's up, my brother? How you doing? How are you? I'm pretty good, man. I, I mean, I have my window open, so I'm freezing here in the Bronx because I'm trying to <laughs> make sure everything stays on. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? How close are you to Yankee Stadium? I want to say I'm east of Yankee Stadium. Okay. So I'm I'm on so Yankee Stadium is on 161st. I'm on I'm on East 149. Okay. Okay. Yeah, but big you, you grew up Yankees fan, huh? Oh, huge, huge, huge. I'm I'm like the black sheep of the family. I'm the only Yankee <laughs> fan. Everybody else I met they're Met fans. So I'm the black wow. sheep. <laughs> nice, nice. I mean, my mom used to take me to the old Yankee Stadium to go see like Dave Winfield and all these guys way back when. Look at that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, she's, was, you know, you know how family is, bro. Oh, for sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. so what part of Puerto Rico did you guys grow up in? My um, my mother was born in Aguadilla, and my father okay. is from Moca. Uh, we were all raised here in New York City. I was uh, I was nice. the only one born in Brooklyn, and then my other siblings were born in uh, Manhattan. So growing up, I'm assuming that your, your father was big into music. Yes, when, while he lived in Puerto Rico, he, he was a musician uh, as well. Uh, he played the timbales. And um, so, of course, when he came to New York, he came to New York, I think he was 16 at the time. And um, uh, the, the love of music never left him. And, uh, you know, and then, of course, it got passed on to the, my brother, Jorge. <laughs> yeah, your brother. You know, I want to say, and we, we had this conversation I met your brother with the late uh, Harry Adorno, another timbalero. You know, I used to grab a conga and get into the clubs and things like that, like a lot of people did, you know, back in the day. Growing up, what what did your brother like to do? Like, what was it like, you know, growing up in your house with you guys? <laughs> um, it was it was a lot of fun. You know, um, he was he was infatuated with with Michael Jackson. He wanted to be like Michael Jackson. So there were five of us. And we would all bring out the pots and pans, utensils, and we would use it as, as like timbala sticks. So I'm banging on the, the pots and pans. And he was always, he always wanted to be like Michael Jackson, doing the dances, um, you know, performing. Uh, so it was, it was always that kind of environment. It was, every night was like a, like a concert, you know, <laughs> driving my parents crazy. Funny you say that, man. My my uncle who passed away as well. He passed away at at seventeen. He was gonna be a baseball player, but um, I remember he also loved Michael Jackson, and he used to have you know socks on, and he used to try to do the Michael Jackson spin. <laughs> and, bro, you can only imagine growing up what, what that was like, because like you said, when Michael came out, you know everybody was doing that shit, moonwalking and spinning, and you know. Right, right. And I'm, but I'm talking about the Jackson Five when they were, in, you know, in that group together when they were that young, you know. <laughs> so he wanted he wanted us to be like the Jackson Five, you know, the Gonzalez Five. There <laughs> uh, was no moonwalk back, you know, back in those days. <laughs> yeah. What did your brother do besides uh, music? He he loved um, painting. He loved uh, drawing. Anything you know um, that had to do with with, with painting and, and um, his thing was was drawing mountains and and beautiful lakes and rivers. He was into that. So he would um, he would get videos of Bob Ross. I don't know if you ever heard of Bob Ross. He was he was an artist. So he would get videos of Bob Ross, and um, he, that's what he would do. If he wasn't playing music, he was busy painting these, these beautiful 
oceans and mountains and rivers, you know. So that was that was his his thing, and uh, as as well as fish. He was he was into fish. Chop. Uh, um, he was into uh, freshwater fish, saltwater fish. He had uh, iguanas. He was he was into that kind of thing. That's awesome. You guys went to the same high school, or yes, we did. Yes, we which did. high school is that? Uh, Andrew Jackson High School. That's in Queens, in Cambria Heights. Oh, nice, nice. And you both graduated. Did did he want to do something in particular after high school? He wanted to be a musician. That was the only thing on his mind. You know, um, thank God he listened to my father and uh, he became uh, a conductor. He took the test for you know New York City uh, con- uh, Transit Authority, and he became a conductor. And he secured his pension, you know, even with the transit, working for the transit. Like, for him, that was secondary. Music was number one. He would get to work like, yo, I got to get out of here. He, like, get yeah, there yeah. Like, he he, he was very lucky. He was very lucky because he had the hookup at work. So if he needed to travel, he was so lucky. He, they would hook him up and uh, he would get to travel. And then he would come back and bring them, like, the best souvenir that you can possibly get. You know, so that can continue. <laughs> it's like uh, like everybody says, Eddie Montalvo. You know, he used to work for uh, Con Edison. I mean, I used to right. see Eddie you know, leave for work in the morning. You know, but then everybody wondered how he did it, and you know, like I said, like you said, it's a little give and take there. You, you know, know it's funny. I mean? You know that you mentioned Eddie Montalvo. Um, he's like, he's such a great guy. He's he's such a great great guy. Um, I was I was a New York City police officer for twenty years, and uh, Eddie Montalvo he had a conga. That had um, that was especially made for him. Inside of the conga was it was bulletproof, so he gave me that conga. Wow! So, to this day, I you know I still have it. I retired in two thousand four, so that was around two thousand one maybe. And and you and you get thankful because the city's crazy, man. I mean, you made it, oh you made it all safe, and you you know and, and you change your career, you know. <laughs> um, but man, I, you know, I was gonna be a police officer as well. I mean, I moved to Jersey. I took the test. And I passed it. And then they went into hiring freeze. You say, holy oh. And I came oh, back to man. I came back to uh, the Bronx after that. But I was in Jersey for about a year or so. Oh, wow. Was, yeah. I mean, probably wouldn't have passed the exercise part, bro, because you already know you got to run and all that shit. And you got to break all kind of records. Well, come on. You got a boxing background. You know, I'm sure, you know, you would have uh, <laughs> came back, you know. <laughs> sure. Can you imagine? There's something about getting in shape, bro. I mean. When did you first realize or notice that your brother was taking music even more serious? Um, I would have to say he's, he's seven years old. He was seven years older than me. Honestly, when I was around 10 years old, so he was maybe 16, 17. He was constantly leaving the house, going to gigs. Um, he, he recorded his, he did his first recording at the age of 16. Wow. And, um, he, uh, he would listen to music. 24 seven. And I, and I'm not exaggerating, man. It was like, <laughs> 20, like 24 seven, you know, um, he was, he was obsessed. He was obsessed with the music. Like that was all he thought about, you know, right. um, every, every other word, you know, had to do with salsa music, bongos, <laughs> this and that, you know, so he was, he was obsessed with, with the music. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I mean, I mean, you have to be obsessed with, with salsa in order to be, because, Look, look what came down the pike for him. You know, so many, so many uh, concerts, meeting other musicians, right. you know, and, um, and I remember, <laughs> I remember your brother and Harry, Harry, for those who don't know, Harry, I don't know, uh, the late 
Javier Dondo was a timbalero. And, uh, you know, I remember rehearsals when they would go, when they were going to rehearse for Ruben Blades and Willy Colón, you know, for Venezuela and all that, you know. And I remember Harry sometimes picking up your brother, meeting him in the, in the street to go to a gig or, you know, it was just good times. You know what I mean? Do you remember the first time you saw him perform at a club? The first time I saw him perform, I would have to say, again, it was at the Corso. I don't know if you remember. I've heard of it. About the Corso. Um, every single major band would perform there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a great photo. Uh, wow. Awesome. Yeah. Every, every major uh, band would perform at the Corso. Like the Corso was the happening place. So you had to be 21 years old to, to get in the Corso. I was maybe 13, 14 years old. You know, and, and, you know, he was already, you know, playing in the Corso. So um, he would tell me, he said, listen, he goes, carry my bongos and pretend that, you you know, you're the band boy, you know. So I would carry his bongos and I would get in. So that was the first time that I saw him perform. I think it was with the uh, Fuego 77. A lot of people didn't know that's the Okie Dope, man. That's how you got in, you know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I his bongos. You know, I think he had another another motive for that, but you know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, that was how I got in, you know. <laughs> yeah. It was to the point where I used to set up Harry's timbales on stage, you know, taking them apart, I was putting <laughs> bells together and shit like that, you know. Yeah. At the and you know what you I know. used to do? I, I mean, I used to literally take the clavis and I would I would go in the back of the stage and I would play the clavis while the band was playing, you know. Yeah. So. I kind of made it seem like, yeah, I was part of the band, but, you know, yeah. they, they allowed me to do it. And thank God it was in Cruzado I, while I was playing the clave, you know, <laughs> you know, you know, it happened a couple of times. My brother turns around and gives me that look. And I'm like, oh, man, OK. <laughs> it's tremendous, bro. Yeah, I took it a little further because Harry tenía confianza. And even if I sucked at being a musician, which I did, Harry would let me do solos and, and you know, and I'm pretty sure your brother was right next to me when I was doing those solos back in the day thinking, <laughs> you know what I mean? Cause, cause Harry was like that. Harry, even though he knew that I sucked, he still gave opportunity. You know, oh, sometimes you're going to let somebody do, get it out of the system, so to speak. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Harry, Harry, Harry was like that, but I remember, you know, even playing with the bands that they played, you know, they always were chill about it. Like, it's cool. Like, Oh yeah. We just play with Celia Cruz. We just play with, you know, right. whatever. Right, whatever the case was, you never saw them get off the stage and 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 brag about those things. It was just meant to be there, you know. And it, amazing, bro. Like that was you're right because I mean, like honestly, that's one of the the traits that I loved about my brother. That he was so humble. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know that was that was great. That was that's great. You know, he was with Johnny Pacheco. He was yeah. Pacheco in the years. Um, let's go through some memory lane here. Oh, this is Puerto Rico. Beautiful. Look in this photo. You have you have um, all stars. Uh, Roberto Ruena, Libertito, a young Mark Anthony. Um, yep. You have your brother there on the far. What's that? Uh, left. Yep. Far left. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have Tite Cure, Alonso. You know. Um, Ruben Blades. You have Montalvo there. Jerry Rivas. Uh, <laughs> who else you have? You have the late uh, Rafael Rosari, who, who we lost uh, not too long ago. Right. Right. So. Your brother was around, you know, I don't have to tell you, but <laughs> your brother was around the greats of the greats, man. I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man, yeah. You know, it's uh, yeah, I have, I have that photo. I mean, it's it's great to, 
hear other musicians speak so highly of my brother. You know, I mean, of course, totally. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm biased because yes, he is my brother and, and I love him dearly. And he was always the way he is with, with you. He's the same way with us. Like he's, he was so humble. Like I was yeah. saying before, I was, I was listening to a, an interview he did with um, Jose Maso. And, and I was getting a little emotional because, you know, you remember this, like you just said, the guy treated everybody the same, you know, and with musicians, um, once you meet a musician and uh, it's like, you know them forever. Look at Ray. Ray, I know over 20 years. Your brother, I can say, I, I knew over 20 years as well. You know, but we never had a long conversation, though. It was just like, I get to the venue. He's standing there. Hey, what's up, bro? You been on oh, chat? Get on stage and just watch him do what he does. It's, you know, yeah. it's amazing. And now I'm meeting your family. Oh, no. This is awesome. All right, who's this? <laughs> oh, that's my cousin. He's in Rochester. Melvin, how you doing? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Love Crazy, you, man. <laughs> All right, Hilton, Hilton Bonilla, okay. Hilton hey, Bonilla. Hilton, how you doing, bro? <laughs> Thank you, that's, appreciate it. That's awesome, man. So while your brother was playing, you were in the police and you're running the city. What was that like, the experience of being a New York City police officer? It was always drama. It was always a show every night. I used to work the midnights. And I worked in Brooklyn, Crown Heights, Bedford-Stuyvesant. So, you know, I, um, yeah, it was, it was, it was tough. It was tough. But I, I tell you one thing, I, I couldn't wait to complete my 20 years because I wanted to get out so bad, so bad. And, uh, I felt like, like a prisoner because I used to cross up the calendar every, every day that I went by, I would cross it off, you know, a day closer to, to retiring. So really, bro. Uh, wow. finally retired in 2004 and, uh, I did 20 years and, you know, um, thank God I'm still collecting my pension. <laughs> You're doing that and a whole lot more, bro. I mean, <laughs> I get to your storage. I mean, meet the but I mean, that's that's a crazy time, man. You know, Twenty years to in Brooklyn at midnight. <laughs> yeah, Brooklyn midnight, and then of course nine eleven. You know, um, yeah, had that experience too. So uh, you know, um, that was another reason why I couldn't wait to retire. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. You know? I'm sure. <laughs> so. Yeah. So you would, you would, you're, you're a police officer during, during those years and you also go into the clubs. Do you remember what clubs you hung, you hung out at more or less? Or did wherever, you have a favorite? Wherever my brother was performing, you know, like I, to be honest with you, I wasn't a, a party. I'm, I wasn't a party animal. And, he, and believe it or not, neither was my brother, even though he went to clubs because of, of his, his uh, profession. He wasn't a party animal. He went there because of, of business. So I was the same way. Like I never liked to hang out. So, um, but I would go to see him perform. So yeah, the Copa, um, uh, the Palladium, um, the Corso, uh, Club Broadway, you know, yeah, well, the the main ones, you know. Um, there's yeah. so many others. I, I you know I can't I can't think of them offhand, you know. And then of course the concerts that he did in Madison Square Garden, or you know I was I was right there with him. I was a shadow. Yeah. This is a photo that I took of your brother at Lincoln Center. Uh, <laughs> he was dancing, you know. The, oh, that's nice. That he went great. by the name in La Campana que Baila, right? Yeah, that's right. Ray Vieira gave him that uh, the name, <laughs> you know. And that was a great uh, interview as well um, with uh, Ray Vieira. You know, Ray Vieira is a great guy. Yeah, you guys grew up almost all together, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, that know. was in Venezuela when they went to. Um, they actually went to uh, Ozzy Guillen's house. Um, wow. he, was, he was the manager of uh, of the of Chicago White Sox at the time, 
and um, you know, and my brother learned a lot about about him, and, and vice versa. You know, to uh, come to find out that Ozzy Guillen's favorite ball player was was Roberto Clemente. You know, no uh, <laughs> yeah, wow, that's a great photo. Yeah, you know, it was amazing. Like I think about it all the time. You know, again, like I was just telling someone the other day, I said, how many people get to actually go to the White House and actually shake hands with the president? You know, yeah. They, you know, look at that Clinton at the time, you know, yeah. um, shaking hands with the president. <laughs> you know? I'm telling you, bro, you know, yeah. and that's all because of that's I believe that's when he was already part of Spanish Harlem Orchestra. Um, Ruben Blades, yeah, yeah. Ruben Blades. I, think, Ruben Blades. I think at that particular time he was performing with uh, Ruben Blades. Wow. What a moment, bro. To be able yeah. to meet an American president. <laughs> now, do you remember the, the the bands that your, or you do you want to tell the public the bands that your brother you remember him playing with or, yeah, or, absolutely. Uh, you know, um, it's a who's who because look, Ruben Blades, Celia Cruz, Ipeto Santa Rosa, um, Johnny Pacheco, Eddie Parry, um, uh, performed with the Fine World Stars. Eddie Montavo. Eddie Montavo had his own band. Ray Vieira. Um, Ray Sepúlveda. <laughs> Who's who? You know, any Willie Colon. There you go. You know, it's like there's just so many. I mean, all, all of the great artists in salsa music. Um, he's, he's played with Larry Hollow. Oh, <laughs> uh, Larry yeah. Hollow. Um, you know, it's just, there's so many, you know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, he got to do what he loved and, um, left his his legacy and sadly we lost um george uh this year my parents moved back from puerto rico in 2015 he took them in he lived in long island and um they were you know, they had medical issues he took them in and he was their caretaker you know he did everything for them where it got to the point where he almost gave up the music because he was and so involved with my parents and you know, the music didn't phase him because he wanted to help my parents. So then my my, my father passed away in 2020 uh, during the, you know, during the COVID, COVID epidemic. Um, he had some other issues and um, he passed. And then, and then it was just him and my mom in his house. And uh, so then my mother, she had Alzheimer's and it was fully, fully blown. It was, it was really, really, really bad. So when she passed in January of this year, he was heartbroken. I mean, we, we all were, of course, but because he was taking care of her, that was like his mother, his baby, his, you know, his everything. So she passed in January, two and a half months later, my brother passed. And that was a shock, you know, but, right. but that's what happened. Yeah. Well, he he put he put his full his full uh, effort into taking care of your parents, yeah. You know, and and again, that's a blessing in itself. You know, you have those years with your parents, and and I'm sure it's, it wasn't easy for him. It wasn't easy for no, anybody. No, it wasn't, especially when the person has Alzheimer's. It was, yeah, it was bad. But the fact that he was there says, you know, your family. You, you know, the fact that you guys were there and and, and doing those yeah. things, it's it's just you know that's the beauty of it. You know, unfortunately. Yeah. Life is life, but that's that's the beauty of it, man. You know, your parents are. Look, my mom came to visit me at work today. 
she hasn't. She was. She was. You know, she wasn't going out because of you know pandemic for a long time. But okay. today, you know, she. I got a knock on the door. It's a FedEx guy, and he's like, "I have a surprise." And I look, and it's her. So, <laughs> uh, that's great. That's great. That's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, man, but again, uh, you know, condolences to your family. Uh, thank you. Thank you. It, you know, I, I remember seeing photos of uh, of his funeral online, yeah. uh, the Facebook, and uh, and again, nothing bad to say about your brother from anybody, any music. I mean, anybody. I, I still, yeah. You know. During his wake, um, you know, like there was so many people there, so many musicians showed up. But when you see Ruben Blades and Willie Colon come to your brother's wake, that's like speaking volumes, you know, especially with Ruben Blades. Take the time, you know, from his extremely busy schedule, you know, and he was so humble. And um, he said some great, great words about my brother. And, uh, you know, I never forget that. And then, you know, it was nice because during, during the week, they did like a little jam thing for my, my brother, you know, Bobby Allende and and uh, and um, a couple other musicians and stuff. And it was it was really, really nice. You know, yes, George, George Legado, of course, he was he was there as well doing, you know, doing the, the little memory uh, jam thing that they did, you know, and I got to, and then I got to actually play some bongos, you know, and you know, in honor and memory of my brother. <laughs> Yeah, bro. I remember sitting in between because I wanted to be a timbalero. You know, like I said, failed at that. But I remember during the rehearsals at Boys Harbor, you know, I would sit between your brother and Harry and I would watch your brother play, you know. And, and again, when you're that close to somebody that great, at, 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 you know, as a musician, you know, los repique, those things like that, you just like, you know, I think I appreciate it more now, you know, because of course I, I didn't know him like that, you know, right away. But now thinking like, just great great times man you know and uh music is music uh the world is blessed with his with his music and his recordings you know those those are iconic man those are never you know they're never gonna go away you know those yeah. those memories you know yeah. um it was, but, it, was uh, nice. it was it was nice um i mean like um when my parents had the house in, in queens when we were growing up our basement was hooked up like a like a rehearsal studio. I mean, we had every major instrument, and it was like a live band every day, every day, you know. Um, so that was it was it was fun. We had, we had fun growing up, yeah. especially with the music. It was, it was great. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Do you what's what's your favorite? You know, do you have a favorite uh, album that he that he recorded that you play every once in a while, or you know. To be honest, I mean, you know, for me, they were all they're all great, you know. But but I guess I guess Spanish Harlem, you know, because because um, I guess uh, you know he was with them for so long, you know. And then Ray, Ray Vieira's album is is like incredible. So it's like between Spanish Harlem and, and Ray Vieira, like I li I listen to those a lot, especially when I'm working out, and uh, I gotta listen to aggressive salsa and Ray Vieira and Spanish Harlem aggressive. This is the Mambo in the City Salsa podcast. We're here with referee Ricky Gonzalez. We're going to get to why he's a referee <laughs> in, a, in a few minutes. But we want to let you guys know that we have some events. Well, not we, but there are events happening in New York City. How about this, bro? Check this out. This is the Gran Combo de Puerto Rico, Ray oh. Ruiz, and we're Fredo Algas. And this is going to be Saturday, uh, February 10th, 2024. Ready going to 2024. And a lot of people are getting this for Valentine's Day, bro. Look at that. Richie, Richie Basta, that Bongo Seven, that combo. You know? 
it's funny because Richie Bastard and I we're, we're the same age, and when he when he used to live in the Bronx, um, he and I we we used to yeah there he is, he's such a great guy. We Batman, go, Batman. Yeah, yeah, we used to go together to get jerry curls. <laughs> <laughs> when, when that was a big thing back in the day, me and Richie used to go together and get Jerry Crow. <laughs> he's like, he's gonna kill me now when he hears this. <laughs> good times, man. Those are good times. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta now I gotta see a photo of you and, Jer- and, and Richie with the Jerry Curls, bro. You know? <laughs> I'm assuming this is when Richie was with, like with Classico, right? Those years. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, I was like maybe 18 years old, 17, 18, you know. And, uh, you know, we're getting jerry curls, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and it was drifting, you know, the whole thing, you know. <laughs> what was the name uh, of that movie? Um, was it uh, coming, coming to, to America? America? Coming to America. Soul Glow, the Soul Glow. <laughs> you know, you, 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 you lean up against the wall and it's all stained, you know. <laughs> oh, bro. <laughs> Here we go. Richie, <laughs> what's up, Richie? I gave it up, man. I, t- <laughs> I told him we used to get Jerry curls. <laughs> Yo, it's absolute gold, man. Yeah. I got I, you. Got to find a photo of Richie and you in the in the uh, in Jerry curls. <laughs> Sorry, Rich, bro. We love you, bro. That's, that's come up. <laughs> All right, so. Your brother's playing salsa around the world, and how do you get into refereeing? Yeah, my um, my father. He was um, besides mm-hmm. being a huge salsa fanatic, he was the same way with boxing. Um, he loved boxing. He was he was uh, that was that was like his number one sport, you know. Yeah. So um, whenever there was a big fight on TV. Like Felix, Felix, he was. I'm, I'm sure he before that, before that, before okay, when there okay. was no cable, there was no cable. You know, there was no cable. So when they, whenever there was a big fight, they were shown on ABC Sports or, or NBC. You know, it was free, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, glued to the TV, I was the only one that would actually sit there with him and, and watch it. And then I was like, I was, I was obsessed. I loved it. So I, I never missed a fight. And then. Uh, when I turned 15, then I started going. I started going to the to the to the boxing gym, you know. So I I started to to have that love at such an early age, and then he he knew it. So when he purchased a home in Queens, um, he hooked up the garage like like a little boxing gym. He, he bought us a heavy bag, and uh, and then you know that's kind of like pretty much where that love came from, you know. Um, Georgie's thing was was the music, and then my thing was I was just I love boxing, you know. Right, and uh, the very first time that I I went to see a fight live was um, at Madison Square Garden. Got to see Duran fight Sugar Ray Leonard, but close circuit. It was yeah, like on the screen. But there were yeah. also live fights as well. And then I was like, man, this this is incredible, you know, to see it up so close. So um, then one 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 day, um, a cousin of ours, he uh, he was around maybe thirteen years old, fourteen years old. He, he Wanted to get into boxing, started going to the gym. I started going with him. And um, one day he, he competed as an amateur. Yeah. And that particular day, they needed an extra judge because, you know, it was like an Nobody in-house knows. type of tournament. It wasn't 
it wasn't sanctioned by USA Boxing, so it was in house. So they needed another, they needed an extra judge, and I was like, uh, they said you want to do it. I said, yeah, sure, you know. I said I watch enough boxing, I, you know, I guess I can, I can probably, you know, judge or whatever. So I did it. Once I did it, it was like that was it. Like I just, like I had that bug. Like I just wanted to officiate. So then I joined um, USA Boxing in the Metro, and, yep. um, and I became an official. And that was like back in 1998 or 99. Um, and then I did the amateurs for about seven years. And when wow. I when I retired from the, oh uh, yeah, Benji and Earl, Earl Brown. That's, that's one of the one of my mentors right there, Benji. Benji, Benji that's the best. Yeah, yeah, yeah wow. you know, and. Um, but uh, yeah, when I retired from the uh, NYPD, that's that same year, I went to the commissioner's office because I already had seven years under my belt as an amateur. So I went to the commissioner's office and then I gave him my resume and and it was just it was strictly I was I was luck I was lucky because he so happened to be there as I was walking in, and I handed him my resume. He's looking through. He's like, "Oh man," he goes, "You're the, you're the kind of guy that we want in our commission because you're a retired cop." Blah blah. blah. So that kind of helped, you know, being a retired cop, that kind of, you know, gave me a little, you know, push or whatever, you know. But, um, yeah. but, uh, but yeah, then, you know, the, the rest is history. Thank God, you know. <laughs> so how many fights have you, have you ref over Ataura? From when you started uh, to now, what would you about, say? About, well, I think about 450. About 450 fights. Four, yeah, 50 professional fights. And, um, wow. Yeah. Oh, tengo el guante puesto todavía. Hold on, bro. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> 450 fights. That's 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 pretty intense, man. Like, how do you maintain staying in shape? Because you got to walk backwards, you got to walk forward, you got to run around the ring, you know. So, how do you how do you maintain your balance? You know, I uh, I tell you, and that's why I kind I kind of mentioned with with the music, like I need to listen to aggressive salsa because because of you know my occupation as a boxing referee. Um, I have to ma- have to maintain a certain physical uh, peak, so I work out every day. I work out six days a week, and um, I run six days a week. I do weights, and I do uh, you know not a lot of weights, but I, um, I I do boxing routines twice a week, and then you know I do my running six days a week. So that's um, yeah, that's that's you know, pretty much what I do. <laughs> that's awesome, man. And I get I up at 45. I get up at 445 in the morning just to do that. Every, and I, yeah. every day. Every day. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I wonder, man. You're in great shape. Plus, you're now you're on TV on pay-per-views. If you guys haven't seen Ricky on pay-per-views, bro, look, let's let's go over a couple of, you know, this is the beginning, right? Michael <laughs> Buffer behind you. <laughs> so yeah, Lomachenko, that was in the garden. Uh that was that was that was actually a great fight. Um that he got dropped for the first time in that fight. Lomachenko. <laughs> That's crazy, man. <laughs> Look at the stare, bro. You've 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 seen a lot of these stare downs. Do you think you can tell who's gonna make it and who's not gonna make it based on the stare down? Because a lot of guys start off with fight with that with that face, like I'm gonna go through you, and, and it doesn't really happen like that. Yeah, you know what? To be honest, I'm not even like thinking about that. I'm I'm just giving the instructions and just you know what's going through my head. I'm just like, okay, guys, you know, just give me a clean fight, you know. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, you know that's that kind of like goes out the window once that bell rings, you know. <laughs> wow, you can you can see the, the the body posture, you know. It's like it's such a head game there. Talking about somebody who's been in, I think I, I boxed maybe four or five times. I was in, you know, 
But I have to say, the scariest shit as a boxer for me was the instruction. I was nervous in the because you face to face with the guy. Right before that bell rings, bro. That's when I used to think, what the fuck are you doing, bro? Yeah. That's true. <laughs> you know when you go to the corner and you're like, you know, <laughs> yeah. the ready, ready, ready? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was funny. I'll tell you a funny story. When I made my pro debut, I made my pro debut in Poughkeepsie. So, you know, everything was fine. I went there, you know, I was, I was excited. I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to actually do this, you know? So I went into the dressing rooms. I gave the, the fighters the instructions. So now the fight takes place. I, I get in the ring, but I noticed that as I'm climbing up those stairs to go through the ropes, my legs, my legs were a little shaky. So then <laughs> I get into the center of the ring. The boxes come, come close, right? So I can give them the instructions. My legs were like spaghetti. They were shaking like crazy. Thank God the camera didn't, you know, Catch it. Uh, angle down so that way you can see my legs because I was like Elvis Presley, you know? <laughs> you know? Yeah, so. Uh, oh, that, right, was so the, uh, that was the Canelo fight. <laughs> wow, bro. Let me yeah. let me ask you this. How how much of a thud for those who will never be in front of Canelo Alvarez like me and a lot of people, how much of a thud is a Canelo punch? Okay, that's a good, great question because I've been asked that a um, few times like who was the fighter that you would say was the hardest puncher in the ring or this i've done every single weight category every single weight category god know those punches they sound different they sound different from every single fighter that i've been in that ring with they sound different and and uh by far canelo hardest the hardest punch i've ever heard <laughs> in my career it was Canelo. <laughs> it was, you know, like it sounds like a like a truck, you know? What, can, what, is, what does his opponent sound like when Canelo hits them? You you can actually hit him, you know, like <laughs> knocking knocking the breath out of it. You know, kind of like what Tyson used to say. It's the same way with, with Canelo, you know? And uh, you know, I felt bad for the guy, you know. He went yeah. down I think, three times in that fight. Wow. <laughs> so at what point do you decide, you know? Even though, again, boxers don't want to give up. You know this. I don't have to tell you. But at one point, do you, you know, mentally see? What, what do you see that will, for the, for the person watching, says he can still go? What do you see in front of the, uh, in, what's in front of you? Like, well, you know, usually the, the body language, you know, there's, there's, there's body language. If, if a guy's taking a pounding, um, you know, he'll start backing up. Get away from the punches. You can see uh, his 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 face. Uh, you know, um, there's a little distorted. You know, from from the agony of, of the pain. Um, so there's you, you know, there's this. You just look at the body language. You know, and it, it, the body language just doesn't lie. You know, and a lot of times uh, these guys they're thankful because you're doing the right thing by stopping the fight. You know. And of course, I've I've had situations where the guy wanted the fight stopped, but then he would kind of like play it off and like, hey, what you know, what are you doing? But you know, that's part that's part of the game, though. You know. Yeah. <laughs> you know. So, I mean, it's probably the promoter that's probably going to complain more than more than the boxer at the end of the night, right? I mean, some promoters. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've uh, yeah, I've had. That. Like, that's like stopping your show. Yeah, 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 so, yeah. <laughs> but you know, you know what? I mean, I've I've had that done. I've had that uh, like just exactly like you said, but. 
at the end of the night, commissioner is the one that tells me you did a great job. And that's yeah. all that matters, you know? Yeah. Um, I don't care what the promoter says, but but you're of right. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and as a, former, as a former police officer, the intimidation is out the window because, you know, right. come on. <laughs> I'm up at 445, bro. All right, here's yeah. a question for you. <laughs> there you go. Hey, <laughs> that would be a great fight. That would be a great fight. You know, I, I can't give a prediction because it might it might take place in New York. I might get the fight, so I can't I can't make a prediction. But that would be a great fight. <laughs> awesome, bro. I'm a I'm a I'm a big. Have you done heavyweight? Like like you haven't done like yeah. Tyson Fury? Yeah. yeah. No, I never did. I never did Tyson Fury, but I know I've done a lot of heavyweights. And um and like I said, I mean even with the heavyweights that I've done. Canelo's punches they seem harder and, and louder. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Do you do you happen to have any of these like hung up at home or you know? I have, these... I have a few, yeah. I have a few. <laughs> see, see the guy in the front there on the bottom on the bottom right hand? That, that, that's where I want to be, bro, one day. <laughs> I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a lot. Matter of fact, just give the people just a glimpse of what happens when you're on a showtime pay-per-view. Which is no longer exists, right? Showtime is is done. Yeah, you're right. Now it's the zone. Uh, the, you know, the zone, the zone pretty much took over. Yeah. But when you were when you would let's say you did one of these uh, big fights with Canelo, when you got to the arena, what's the atmosphere like? You know, when you're walking in, you know, the production. Well, especially you know, being in the garden, just the garden itself. I mean, it's it's the, the magnitude of of the event. Um, you you can you can feel it. I mean, you can just feel like there's just an atmosphere that's different from any other venue. And uh, and then of course, being in New York, you have a lot of uh, Latinos, a lot of Mexicans. So they were all out in force for for Canelo. Um, and then you can you can you can feel it. You know, you can just feel that whole vibe and, and the atmosphere. Um, so you know, I'll get I'll get to the venue and um, you know, I just kind of like. Block everything out. Go into the dress room. Hey, how you doing? Blah blah. You know, and I kind of like I kind of like to be by myself. You know, in those situations, just to get my thoughts together. Um, and uh, you know, and then when it's time when the boxes when the boxes get to the dress room, I, li- I like to go there immediately because, you know, they want to prepare. You know, so I want to give them the instructions and then and get out and then just give them their time to, you know, to prepare or to relax and get ready for the fight. You know. <laughs> are, there, is, are there any particular instructions? You know, is it any different from the amateur fights? Or I mean, aside from being in the garden, it's kind of the same routine, though, right? You yeah, yeah. You know, I don't. You know, there's, there's some referees that go into a whole thing of of the instruction. I just I just want to go over the basics. I go over yeah. the basics, make it short, and sweet, um, fight clean, fight hard, and you know, and uh, uh, yeah, that was that was a, that was a great fight oh. too. So, How hard does Amanda Serrano hit, bro? She's she punches hard. She punches hard. She, you know what her thing is? She's she has speed. She's very very fast. She's very fast and very durable. Like she's like like a machine. Like nonstop punching. Yeah, she's nonstop punching. She's like the wow. the energizer uh, bunny rabbit. You know, yeah, <laughs> non nonstop punching. You know, it was, it was uh, a lot of action. What a great photo, bro! What a great photo. <laughs> I mean, honestly, man, like oh, this, is, this is iconic stuff. You know, you and your brother, very talented people, man. I mean, uh, thank you, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, you have check this out. Look at this. Oh, CrossFit. 
Yeah. Who do you fight here, Crawford? Um, I forgot the guy's name. He has a long name. Is he, I think he's Greek. So he has one of those like long names. Uh, but um, but yeah, that was uh, that was that was a good fight too. That was at the Garden, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you enjoy? Do you only do the New York State ones, or do you do you, you get to travel and do other? Um... Oh no, I mean I'm 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 licensed in, in New York. I'm licensed in Jersey, Rhode Island, um, and then um, I belong to. I'm, I'm, oh, I'm also licensed in the, the Mohegan Sun. Um, and then I belong to the IBF uh, organization. So, you know, if there's like a championship fight out of the country, you know, they'll, they'll send me out of the country. Yeah. Wow, man. What a time, bro. I mean, I got, it was nice because, you know, I, I got to um, my, my, my boxing idols, Roberto Duran. So okay. I did, I did a, a fight for the IBF in Panama. So when I went to Panama, the guys that picked me up, you know, we're talking or whatever. So they asked me, you know, have I ever been to Panama? I was like, no, this is my first time, you know. And I, I said, um, you know, my, my idol's from here. So <laughs> they were like, well, who's your idol? They knew who it was, you know, but they just wanted to ask, right? So I, yeah. said, I, said, I said, Roberto Duran. And they're like, okay, tomorrow we're going to go to his restaurant and we're going to go meet him. So I'm saying to myself, oh, yeah, right, okay. You know, so I said, okay, thank you. Next day they picked me up, go to the restaurant. There was one person standing outside the restaurant. That person was Roberto Duran. Come on. When I got out the car and approached him, <laughs> he hugged me and he kissed me on my cheek. Wow. How many men can say that Roberto Duran kissed him on the cheek? <laughs> you know, I was like remember. at Christmas. I'm telling I was like a kid at Christmas. You know, that seeing Santa Claus. <laughs> now, at, at that at that moment, you know, you're thinking about your dad, and you're saying, you know, if, if "Yeah, that was know, again, thanks, thanks to him, you know, like of course, you know." And in fact, from there, I sent him a, a the, the photo. I sent him a photo, and you know, yeah, being and Roberto Duran, you know, what did he say? He was he was so so happy, so proud, you know. And Let I me got see to, I, I, got to, I got to eat with Duran, and we 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 sat together for like two hours. I mean, like it was it was just amazing. It was amazing. That's awesome, bro. Hold on. I'm, I'm gonna share uh I'm gonna share you in action. This is the Canelo fight. All right. So what are you, what are you looking for here, bro? What do you what do you Well, you know, I'm giving I'm giving the guy a chance. I'm giving him a chance, you know. I'm I'm hoping that he shows me something, you know, if he's throwing punches, you know. Um, but you know, I see that he's he's it's the one sided, so I'm trying to, you know, give Canelo a little space, not not interfere, you know, and and um, and then of course at the same time just uh, observe, hey, <laughs> observe, yeah, <laughs> that was that body shot, yeah. So this count right here is coming from for for people who don't know, where is this count coming from? Where does this start? You pick, it up, you, you pick it up from from the the knockdown ref. There's a knockdown ref. So your 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 first job is to send. The, the fighter to neutral corner, the fighter that scored the knockdown, you send him to neutral corner, and then you yep. pick up the count from the knockdown ref. Gotcha. Because so, a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you're right. You right. know. <laughs> so right, right there, you're at five. So somebody who doesn't know that is thinking that, you know, you're already counting fast, but right, you actually right. you have somebody on your side there. Okay, let's see. Right, something. right. Yep. You know, and then of course you get the, the mandatory eight count. Okay, so when you check the guy's 
Uh, I've always wondered this. What does it mean when you check the guy's hands like that? Well, because sometimes, you know, there's particles on the canvas. So you don't want those particles to go on his glove. And then if he punches his opponent, it can scratch him with those particles, you know. So wow. that's pretty much why you wipe, you know, the gloves. Gotcha. Okay, hold on. So are you giving instructions to him at this point? Oh, listen, you know, show me something or are you... I think you I know. said that after the second the second knockdown. He got knocked down three times. So I think after the second one, I, I said I said that to him. I said you gotta wow. show me something. So now you now the radar's on him, right? Because now he has to show you yeah. something. Yeah. But and you can yeah. see it was his his arms and, and side was, was bruised, it was red. Wow. Where'd you learn this distance from? Because a lot of box a lot of refs stay away, you know, or get a little closer, but you you have a nice a nice you know, distance here to see everything. Uh, thank you, man. Thank you. I appreciate that. You know, I, like I said, I learned a lot from, from, from Benji. I learned a lot from a, a lot of referees, you know. Uh, Benji was one of my mentors, Eddie Claudio, and, you know, and, uh, and of course, Mills Lane. I, I used to love Mills Lane. Come on. Wow. Mills Lane. Okay, that's the bell right there, bro. Now, in between the bell, what do you do? What, what happens if you have to, like, you know, use restroom, let's just say? <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, see, I, I mean, right before I go into the ring, I make sure I, you know, I, I use the the bathroom and, uh, you know, and uh, I'm talking you, about number one, not number two. Yeah, number <laughs> one. I mean, as a, as a ref, I mean, I would think, well, you know, this is the time to go, right? If you're gonna do anything, <laughs> this is the time yeah, right yeah. here, you know. <laughs> yeah, now, yeah. you know, my first referee, a referee, referee, my fight. He's sitting in the crowd here. I'm gonna show you who he is. And then you, you tell me. Now, what happens if Canelo doesn't step back when you say, you know, echa para When the boxer scores a knockdown, if that boxer doesn't go to a neutral corner, you're actually, he's actually helping out his opponent because the referee's not going to pick up the count until he goes to a neutral corner and stays there. Right. Right. Wow. Maybe the, people don't know that, bro. I mean, look, this guy's trying, bro, but that's Canelo Alvarez, man. That's yeah, it was, he was just... It was, you know, way out of his league, unfortunately, you know? Yeah. But again, these are, these are the wars, bro. This is what you train for. This is yeah. what you... Mills I'm trying, Lane. I'm trying. Yeah, yeah, Mills Lane. Okay, so wait a minute. Why did you send him to that corner? Let me ask you that. Oh, the fur your furthest neutral corner. I see. Okay, so he goes down, and he's like, no, 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 that way. Yeah, because this, this corner was a little closer to the boxer, so... You send him. You send him to the furthest neutral corner, meaning you know from where the where that fighter is, or where the fighter is down. Yeah. Right there, I wow. told him you got to show me something. <laughs> but, course, he, he didn't. He, you know that was it. He showed me that. You know. <laughs> yeah. You know, but I just wanted to let him know that it was coming. You know. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm sorry, bro, but you know, at least you gave him a little chance there. Yeah, 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 yeah. Let me yeah. let me see if I could just find my uh my my <laughs> my uh one of the referee that that did my fight. Did you turn pro? I didn't. No, I was. I, I made it to I think Golden Gloves or something like that. Okay, okay. I'm sorry, Junior, junior Olympics. I mean, it's a Junior Olympics. Oh wow, that's that's a great achievement. That's great. That's Thank a great you, man. achievement. So many people. That was at, that. that was at Gleason's Gleason's gym. Oh yeah, Gleason. Wow, that was that's that gym. I, I used to love that gym. Do you know his background? Was he a correctional okay. officer? Here we go. Here we go. Oh yeah, this guy uh, here you talking about? Yeah, with the with the white goatee. Yeah, yeah, that's he used to be a correctional officer. Was did he? Yeah, he used to be a correctional officer. 
he's the top inspector in, in New York for uh, the commission. Yeah, he's like the, he's the number one inspector, and um, wow. he's a good guy. He is a good guy, real good guy. Yeah, that's my ref, bro, right there. Oh wow, look at that. Yeah, Georgie Ward. He's a big guy. You know who his cousin is? Who's that? You you, you follow you follow wrestling? Yeah. Diesel, you know Diesel, <laughs> the big 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 Diesel. That's his. That's his cousin. <laughs> wow, bro. Yeah. yeah. Who knew? <laughs> that's tremendous. Yeah. yeah, my first fight. I knocked the guy out. Uh, thirty seconds into the first round. Nice. And nice. He, he, he didn't even count them, bro. So. Right. That's when I. That's when I knew I was that good, and I retired right that night. <laughs> you sent him to La La Land. There you go. <laughs> yeah, then, then, when, then when Creed and the Rocky movies came out, yo compré to pasar aguaje. But buying this and training are two different things. Look at them nuevo todavía. What did Mike Tyson say? You, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. <laughs> Speaking of Mike, look, I'm a Mike Tyson Funko here, bro. I'm ready for you, bro. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, good times, man. Terrence, so how do how, how hard does Terrence hit? I mean, he he is very uh, he's like a very determined fighter. He is so so determined. Like you can see it in his eyes, you can see it in his movement. He just wants to win. Like he he, he has that whole, that the right attitude as a, as a fighter. Um, and he does. He hits hard. He hits hard. And like I say, wow. you know, he's the hardest puncher, but he does hit hard. Yeah. So can you can you kind of tell more or less? You know. Well, you can't tell more or less. I was going to say, you know, how soon a guy, you know, based on his record, you know, if he if he's able to put somebody away pretty quick. Yeah, you don't, you know, I mean, like, to be honest, like what I do is like uh, once I know I'm doing a championship fight, I'll YouTube the guy to, to see what his style is like. You know, if I don't know anything yeah. about him, you know, just to know what I'm getting into. And, and uh, you know, so kind of like do my homework like that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I don't go in there like saying, OK, he's going to knock him out or. You know, I just let it let it happen. You know, whatever happens, happens. Yeah. Wow, bro, what a great time, Ricky! I want to thank you so much um, for tonight thank for you. you know giving us insights into your family life, um, insight into your club years. You know, your bro, <laughs> you know, and, and and your experience. You know, your family life growing up, and your experience in the ring. You know, these are stories that you know people may not uh, know about or 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 be able to you know hear from. Uh, from somebody who's in there with the greats. This is the first time I really have a conversation with Ricky as well, because me and him will go back and forth on TikTok. Right. <laughs> I don't know if you want to give your social media, but do you want uh, you know folks to follow you? They can, they can follow me on, on Rick, Ricky Gonzalez, Ricky Gonzalez on Facebook. Just look up Ricky Gonzalez on Facebook, and um, TikTok is uh, Boxing Ref. Boxing Ref on TikTok. Right. That's awesome, man. And so you know, I, I was going back and forth. I put a post up of, of your brother. The last time I saw your brother performing, unfortunately, was at um, uh, Lincoln Center when they had Spanish Harlem Orchestra. And he did a bongo solo. You know, it was him, Georgie Lustu Quintero. And he did a bongo solo and I recorded it because I'm a fan. And unfortunately, um, that was the last time, you know, uh, I saw him perform. So I put the, the, the video up and then I saw Ricky commenting. And then I looked and I said, like, he looks like him. And I said, damn. You know, and, and then I, I didn't know that he was your brother. And so, yeah. you know, after that, I reached out and, and you know, obviously sent my condolences. And, yeah. and then I said, like, he's a referee? Like, <laughs> like I had a, you know, I had seen these fights live and I didn't know that you were the guy in the ring. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> you know? Yeah. Hey, look, I'll show you something. Look, this is hey, um, go. a minute. Those are his bongos. I, I, I purposely brought them upstairs. I'll Bring them here, bro. Let's see them, yeah. These are the bongos that he used for most of his, his gigs and uh, recordings. That's awesome, so, bro. Show, show the top of the skin so people can see the replicas your brother had. You see the top of there? You see that, bro? <laughs> top? Yeah. yeah, bro. They tuned. Wow, nice. Yeah. That's awesome, bro. Thank you for sharing that, man. That's, oh, that's no, yeah. classic, bro. You know, and, and again, I, I miss your bro out there. I miss seeing him uh, perform. I miss his conversations, you know, and the smile and, you know, the way he was, at least with me, I can say that. He was always chevere, you know, since day one. Thank you, and, uh, for saying that. And, and you, I mean, son igualito. You know, you have a, a son. Yes, I do. Yeah, he's uh, he's sixteen, and he's also a musician. He's uh, he plays the yeah. saxophone. He's in a marching band, regular orchestra. Uh, they have this uh, quintet now with with just the the saxophone players. They're gonna be performing a concert for uh, for Christmas. So he's he's doing his thing. Love you too, Melvin. Thank you. <laughs> Here's my mom. She's saying I'm the greatest fighter in the world. Mom. <laughs> yes, he you. is. Yes, he is. He <laughs> is. <laughs> Ricky would have stopped it in the second round. <laughs> you raise you raise a great a great son. Awesome. You appreciate it. Thank you, man. <laughs> again, guys, we want to thank Ricky Gonzalez for tonight. Well, again, this has been the Mambo in the City Salsa podcast. It's been a pleasure having referee Ricky Gonzalez on here and something I never forget. So, you know, you're my first guest that's not a salsero or that's not a salsa artist, you know, you're my first guest of the, a referee and um, the stories and the moments again, you know, for those of you, those of you who are just joining us, you know, Ricky's been part of some amazing fights. So make sure that when you're watching fights on the zone, I know you're in the zone now or, yeah. you know, or you go to the garden, would you ever do UFC? Would you ever uh, no. referee? Fight? No, no, no. I mean, years ago, I was asked if I wanted to. Oh, yeah, if I wanted to do yes. that, but uh, I, I refused. You know, it's just too, too many rules to remember. You know, I don't want to mix them up with boxing, and then you know, I'm doing a boxing match, and all of a sudden, I'm doing UFC rules during that boxing match, and vice versa. So I just wanted to stick with just one sport, um, something yeah. that, that that I know, and uh, so yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Also, thank you guys for commenting and, and, and the questions and everything. My boy, Stephen, Stephen Rivera, he's out in Puerto Rico. And Ray Vieira for joining. And Richie, Richie Bastal, also your family. Yeah, um, you. I'm missing my mom. Thank you so much, Melvin, you know, <laughs> for uh, hanging out with us and, and hearing some stories, you know. All right, guys, that is it. That's it for the Mambo in the City's House podcast. Again, we want to thank Ricky Gonzalez so much. And um, we'll see you on the next one, on the Mambo in the City Salsa podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure.